This episode is partially brought to you by the Humble Choice Program. Did you know Humble Bundle has a great monthly subscription service that lets you get a ton of video games every single month? That's right, from plans range from $5 to 20 bucks a month, you get a hold of a bunch of free games they have available to you. And you can use our code down in the description below to go and sign up. It would help our podcast and help you see what great games are available for you this month. Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 61 of the SWW show. It's me, AJ, Mike, alongside me. Virtual. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, well, alongside, I threw this alongside. Alongside enough. Yeah. We've been in person alongside a few times. This is true. Um, yeah. I'll probably get, I'll probably get to sometime this year, uh, next year if I don't have in. Yeah, at least once. So uh, we are here to talk about kind of end of year wrap up stuff. Because that's that's accurate. Yeah, the next uh, SWW, SWW show is going to be our uh, awards episode that we do. So this one will be kind of, hey, what's what's happened in the past little bit and kind of what's leading into 24. But uh, before we get into that, let's uh, talk about things that we have played. Now, I will say I have seen, I don't know how many times now, when I've been on my computer, a little pop-up from Steam that says, Mike is playing Dave the Diver. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming you're on your Steam Deck. Yeah, I'm on my Steam Deck. It's, yeah. I'm not as much of a psycho as it looks. At yeah. least I hope not. Uh, I am totally on the Steam Deck during that time. I think it's a great game. Like, I, I do think there is... I, so I currently am in Act 2 of it. Uh, so I do think there's problems. Uh, I think onboarding stuff, while I understand why it's this very manipulative, like, slow pace on purpose, yeah. I almost wish there was a way to speed up some of the onboarding stuff of, like, or it sped up on the back end because like it'd be like oh this mechanic would have been cool five runs ago like i think i'm getting some of that stuff there where it's like i feel like i'm hitting a, a wall before i'm seeing the solution being possible there is a way to speed it up mike i'm not about to cheese it that i'm honestly that's what i did like okay. because i was like okay i could either grind once i've got the loop for the act right mm -hmm. I was like, either I can just grind this and in artificially inflate my hour count, or I can be like, okay, cool, I've seen everything this act has to offer. You know, now I'm I'm just at the point where okay, it's just money, right? So I would just go in, cheese the money, advance to the end of the act because it was usually like the next day. Um, and yeah I would do that and that was partially because I wanted to see what this game had to offer it wasn't like I didn't want to cheat the game right I was still interacting with it it was just speeding up some of that monotony that funnily enough is what this like it's part of what makes this game good 
Yeah, no, no. It's I could see where it also makes them good, but but I think it was too of like like I wish I don't even care that it's monotony. Actually, I kind of like the games that are like ten thousand check boxes that you just kind of naturally check. Yeah. I almost wish they just gave me more check boxes at once, or notice as I'm tightening a check box that you're kind of releasing the other one sooner. Yeah, and that's part of it, right? Is like there are a bunch of side stuff that you eventually end up being able to do. But a lot of it is, you know, like your uh, fish index, your Pokedex, whatever. I forget exactly what they call it. Uh, um, like half of that is locked behind fishing at night. Yeah. Which you don't get until you're several hours in. I just recently got it, yeah. uh, actually. And it is, it's very much one of those you're like, like, and now... See, now there's an extra decision of, do I want to, do I not? Like, I have to figure out, is it calculation of, is it actually worth it? And it almost never is, unless it's like, uh, I will say, there's a few, like, boss encounters that happen. Like, I have the eel guy, for example, I have to serve still. Like, that would be one I feel like it's probably worth it. Yeah, that you have to. So that one is a mandatory, you have to fish at night, because that's the only time you can get that stuff. At least in the beginning. Um, yeah, it's just... I like that they gate some of the stuff. But there is a point that you'll reach where the gating is so severe. That. Progress grinds to a halt. And. The thing of it is like, yes, progress grinds to a halt, but at least the progress is fun. Right, like the. Restaurant. Running the restaurant is fun. It helps as soon as you get some employees. Oh my god, that fundamentally changed running the restaurant. So, um, having that is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- there are different ways that you can kind of go about it. But it's like, you know, it's the game artificially inflates its time. I do wonder, like, if you just, from the start, gave yourself unlimited money, how long this game would actually be. Yeah, I don't think it'd be that long. Like, it'd be stuff, but it wouldn't be, like, a few hours, probably? Because, you know, like, upgrading your weapons is all based on collecting resources. Collecting resources is based on how much weight you can carry and how much oxygen you can have and how deep you can go which is based on money. So it's like, if you can just forego a lot of that, if you never have to worry about money, you only have to worry about collecting the resources to upgrade stuff. How long would it take you? It's still probably a five to ten hour game. If I had to guess. But. Yeah. That's I have very little to say against it. So the stuff that it's I do bad. have like, I is like, like and my discovery against it is the like dumb indie discussion, all that stuff. But but like it itself is fine. Yeah. Um I say jump into yours next. Yeah, I have finished Assassin's Creed Mirage at fourteen and a half hours. 
which you probably feel should be closer to 18 because if you've watched the streams of me playing Mirage, uh, I button mash the story because the AC story is so pointless at this point. Especially when these games are traditionally 80 hours long just for the story. I was like, okay, I don't care. I'll figure it out. Uh, but yeah, this is... Mirage is... The best way I described it to someone was it's AC1, but with modern graphics. And mm. they've learned everything, right? Like, they've learned the movement mechanics. They've learned the combat mechanics. They've learned the... Um, the downside to Matt Barf. It's still there, but it's a lot quieter about it. Um... You know, so I, it's significantly smaller than Valhalla, right? It's probably the size of two, maybe three regions in Valhalla. Okay. Specifically, like the, not the, I don't know if you ever played Valhalla, but they were like, there were overarching regions. And then there were like, for lack of a better term, states in those regions. Mirage is maybe one of the big regions. Or it's like three of the biggest states. Um, you know, the map's pretty small. That being said, you still should uh, expedite getting the fast travel points. Because it helps a lot. I think it's probably like a Spider-Man thing of you could totally get around without them, but like it makes your life easier. Yeah. So it's as absurd as ever. Um, I probably played twelve of those fourteen hours wearing an outfit that made me look like a robot and made me sound mm. like a robot. Of course, because. I found out that you could do that. And it was, there's 10 things that you have to get. And by the time I discovered what the side mission was, I think I had six of them. I had oh. four or six of them. So I was like, okay, I'll just go get the rest. I'll just finish this right now. So I did that. And like one night, that's all I did. I spent like an hour and a half finishing that up. And sure as shit, like, you end up wearing a robot suit with a sword that heals on... I think it's it heals like 20% on a kill, or it's the fifth hit or something like that. And a dagger that parry does extra stun damage, I think. So it's a pretty OP set. That being said, the game's way too easy. Like... As soon as you figure out the shtick of parry or dodge and then hit, it's pointless. The combat just becomes a nuisance. So. And there's one, like, there's a final boss fight. And they don't tell you at first how to handle it. 
And then finally, like, there's just a tooltip on the side of the screen that says, use your knives to hit their weak spot. I aimed at their feet and it hit him in the shoulder because it's a cutscene. Oh. So, like, you just needed to throw a dagger at them and it would have triggered the cutscene. That's funny. And then it's a cutscene and then it goes back to you and then it's a traditional fight. By that point, I had so many upgrades to my combat that it was just a matter of time. It wasn't, oh man, I'm struggling with this. So. Yeah, still, I mean, much like I'm sure Spider-Man 2, as soon as you reach a certain point in the combat, it just, like I said, it just becomes something that you have to do. Spider-Man's interesting in the sense of, I think of it compared to... I think a lot of Uncharted's or even the first Spider-Man where, yes, but like it definitely ramps it to a point to try to compensate for some of those fights. You're like, OK, really now? Why? Why is it this hard? Yeah, I really definitely had those where it's like, OK, I wish I wish we kind of didn't arbitrarily make this as bad. Yeah, but I feel like with Spider-Man and AC's the same way, like. If you fail you can know instantly where you screwed up. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh man, I got myself in a tight spot and that's why I died. With Mirage, like, it can kind of bum rush you with enemies and that will lead to you dying because you just, you know, they don't have, it's not Batman where they come at you one at a time. Like, you can be parrying someone and thinking you're killing them Meanwhile, an unblockable comes in and just murks you. And it does. And you're time. like, fuck, all right. Like, I got to do this all over again. And then you're like, okay, so just remember space. Spider-Man was the same. The first one was the same way in Seven Miles Morales. Like, I beat them on normal. And then the first Spider-Man, I started New Game Plus on the hardest difficulty. Because I'm like, the combat is not a challenge. Especially once you learn the patterns. Mm -hmm. Mirage, I would like to go back and ramp the difficulty up. But really, other than that, I have zero desire to get back into the game. So, Is it... I know we've kind of talked about this. What would you compare it to, like, like ranking of the recent ones? Is it better than the recent ones? I know it's different, because it's kind of back to the old way, but... Yeah, that's... So that's the problem, right, is... I put like 57 to 60 hours in Valhalla and I'm like two thirds of the way through the story. Meanwhile, I put 15 into Mirage and I'm completely done. Like, Got I'm, it. I'm probably not going back to the game, right? That's not to say it's bad. I'm just probably not going to go back. Mm -hmm. So. It's hard because. Mirage is much more condensed. Valhalla has like a chance to breathe at times. Sometimes that breath is too long. But you're also. It does help with the world building. Right. Whereas. Mirage, you're like thrown into ninth century Baghdad and it's like the world's here, like figure it out. You know, you're not. 
Which does make sense, right? Because your character is from there. You're not, you know, Vikings that are making first landfall in England. So there is that scenario where um, it feels like it should be shorter, especially since it was supposed to be a DLC for Valhalla. <laughs> so that's, I think, part of what helps that. I can see that. Um, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I went to so Doppling. I beat it. So I thought I'd just shout it out. Again, I think really cool. I think really fun. I also think more Spider-Man should be in love like the first one. It's not telling anyone new. But I also think there are some really cool moments, if you care about this character, that I am shocked happened that I think that shows Insomniac and Sony, I think, actually cares, even though we don't really get to. They don't really care in movies. It's funny that how much they actually care on video games. Yeah, I mean... Here's the thing, right? Like, I think part of that caring comes down to what's making them money. <laughs> yeah. No, okay. But I do wonder, right? Because the rumors were that pre Spider Man 1, Sony was offered all of Marvel for like $5 million, or yeah. something very small. And. You think about if they had done that and let's take the movies like let's just say they would have been all right mm -hmm. the Marvel movies but the video game side of it had kept up the quality what we're seeing now that's a world where Microsoft doesn't even stand a chance. Mm -hmm. Because Sony's pumping out billion dollar games every six months. From different studios. Like, can you imagine? Um, like Naughty Dog doing. A. Daredevil game. I was trying to think of like what. Marvel. Everyone wants to say the words Insomniac. That's the problem. Yeah. And I get it, right? Like, they're the studio now. Mm -hmm. But we also have to take into account, like, hey, there's no way they could do the whole Marvel. Oh, no, I get it from yeah. a logistical point of view. But, like, if we said for most superhero types of games, and I said, here's Sony Slate, 80% of the answers would be Insomniac. Yeah, that's a real possibility. Yeah. And I think non controversially, because it would make. Cause Anything that is movement-based, I think there's an argument for Sucker Punch, but otherwise, that's kind of the big one. Like, big, like that'd be the big ones for them. Like, even stuff like... I'm trying to think, like, a more grounded, marvel property that, like, you would hand to other teams, and, like, I'm having a hard time on that one. Because like, even stuff like Iron Man and stuff, like... I don't know who else I'd hand it to. Yeah, I mean... Iron Man is the one that, if you could ground it, maybe you hand it to someone like, like Santa Monica, but that's kind of... I do wonder, yeah, as you say, like, Iron Man's difficult because who else... Right. How much do I care about the whippiness versus yeah. the combat? 
that becomes a question. It changes who I hand it off to because it changes the game. I mean, I think that would be a perfect, like, all hands on deck Sony project because <laughs> you want Naughty Dog writing. Mm hmm. You want Insomniac probably gameplay. It, or at least Insomniac, I at least want plot pointing, like, because, like, they're definitely the superhero team of understanding how to write them. Yeah. Like, I do understand superhero, <laughs> it, that gets fatigue is real, but, like, at the same time, like, their writing fits it, I think, pretty well. Yeah. I'm, try I'm also trying to think of, like, okay, from a gameplay mechanic, who would we want to handle a flying character? Bungie? Well, yeah, I guess if we're assuming everything stayed the same, right, and, like, Bungie is part of Sony, yeah. Yeah. But the thing of it is, if this had happened, right, if this course had diverted, they probably wouldn't have picked up Bungie. Mm -hmm. Also, Bungie probably wouldn't have made Destiny because mm -hmm. they wouldn't mm -hmm. have left Microsoft. That's fair. Right, it's, it's one of those where, okay, yeah, cool, but also, you know, it would change so much. The thing of it is, game-wise, we would be getting so much more. Like, the last Iron Man thing was a VR experience that wasn't that great. It wasn't that great, but actually I think it was better than it probably deserved to be. But I do not great. The only thing before that was a movie tie-in. Mm-hmm. And I guess he was in Marvel's Avengers, but... If you're saying, you know... Uh, that we wouldn't have better or more high quality comic book stuff. I think you're wrong. Like, that's what would have happened, right? Like, Sony would have found the properties that nailed, and we would have been left with those. We wouldn't have had. 15 you know Disney Plus shows that you have to watch just to understand the next movie. That's right. So, I agree. Uh, cool, let's jump into it what we've seen. Uh let's start with the the classic. See it on here. AJ tell us about Mr. Ch -ch -ch Jingo. No, remember the D is silent. Yes, Jingo. Uh it's just what I watched on the flight to Florida. Okay. So, nothing too crazy. Actually, both of these are things that I watched on. Nice. Let's talk about Bye Bye Barry, then. Uh, yeah, so... Barry Sanders. The best running back in the NFL. I don't give a shit. He is. Come at me, Emmett Smith fans. Come at me, Jim Brown fans. Come at me, you know, uh... Who else? Adrian Peterson fans. Come at me, Christian McCaffrey fans. It's Barry Sanders. No one did it like Barry. And this is the documentary that Amazon put out earlier this year that finally tells the story of why Barry retired. From And Barry's interviewed in it. Like, Barry tells you why he retired, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, and he was just ready to be done. That's all it was. He was just ready to be done. He don't want to play football anymore. And he didn't want to hold a press conference. He, 
I, that was kind of the the singular thread through the whole thing was Barry doesn't like the press. Not that he thinks they're bad. He just doesn't like to do it. Doesn't feel like he necessarily needs to do it. So he just faxed in his retirement and blew off to London. So. And they have a bunch of interviews with Lions fans and former Lions players from that time period. And a lot of really cool archival footage. They've also got, because he's integral into the uh, story of Barry Sanders, my favorite sports personality in uh, Dan Patrick. They interview him. Because people forget, like, Dan was Barry's first interview as a Lion on TV. It was draft day and he was in Wichita, Kansas. And so he had that relationship with him. So it's cool to see them continue that because I feel like you could have gotten so many other former ESPN personalities, current ESPN personalities, like whatever you wanted. But the fact that they made the decision to go, no, we're going to get the guy that did his first interview, interviews him fairly frequently on the radio, and has that relationship. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a really good look into that whole situation. Um, And I think even if you're not a football fan, you'll like it. Okay. They do a pretty good job of trying to avoid getting too nerdy about football and being like, no, here's like the behind the scenes front office. Actual stuff, you know, like the personal stuff, not. Oh, well, our run scheme was bad. They cover when they switch coaches and how their run game didn't really fit Barry. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of it. Like they keep it very high level. Okay. Um, for the football conversation. I'd love the, a version of this that's just two hours of Barry talking about why the run schemes don't work and, you know, line play and stuff like that because football nerds are really fun to listen to if you have an appreciation of football. Otherwise, they're just a complete bore. No, they're, it's definitely a group of people where... Uh... Let's just say you get, they get very into their craft. Yeah. Probably accurate way of saying it. Nice. Uh, change up. You were in Florida for a bit. How was that? Good. I assume usual. No yeah. shenanigans. Traditional uh, Thanksgiving trip. Beautiful. And then, yeah, I, well, I saw... I once. Oh, I'm actually impressed. Uh, I was going to say, I, I saw live that AEW show, specifically... The Ric Flair segments. Someone needs to, to, to tell Tony Khan whatever this check you're cashing is now worth it. And I think you kind of saw a blow over this week online. Because... So, did you watch the segment that they edited that was live? I haven't seen any Rampage? stuff since 
AEW. Okay. You need to find that segment after. It's like a two and a half minute clip online. It's the mixture of the one in the ring, not the one they did before. Okay. They had to edit out a line because he t- he talked about how when they were younger, they used to bring girls back to the hotel room ages 18 to 25. <laughs> that's, that's the thing, though. That's been Ric Flair's character since day one. I know. I get that. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. First off, I'm glad that he at least made it age of consent. Mm-hmm. Because you know damn well there were girls younger than 18. A hundred percent. So. At least he made it sound not as bad. <laughs> as we both might agree, still, still an amazing sound. <laughs> no. I mean, when you got an 80 year old that's been that coked up for so long. Right. Shit's going to get wild. Yeah, I don't really know what. I mean, I get it right. Like he and Sting had such a. Huge uh, role together in TNA. Mm -hmm. So it's cool that he's there for Sting. I just don't think he needs to be on TV every week or however often he is like I think it's like every week, every other week right now. And it's part of the problem with AEW only doing four big shows a year. Mm-hmm. Like Ric Flair is who you bring out. On the monthly pay-per-view 100%. with Sting, not or, you know, like the week or two before the pay-per-view as a buildup. Not every day every week on TV. God, at one point he was just running around the arena being like, I remember this match. It's like it was straight old man screaming at clouds. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of that stuff for us. There's actually no other wrestling news this week. So that was kind of threw that in there. Um, Also, Tony Khan learned to book girls. Uh, Let's start with the big one. We kind of the rumblings were happening. I think last we talked about this. The, the strike is over. Anything big on it that you can or want to touch on that deal? Or is it just kind of a deal um, that has been struck and at least there's something on the table? There's something on the table. I still haven't gotten a final of what it is yet. Okay. Um, I, haven't had any, I haven't had that email yet, so. They might just be working on the logistics. My guess is they agree on the top line. That means they're just yeah. working on the logistics. I mean, usually, so to put this into perspective, the WGA strike, I was never a part of the WGA, so Mm -hmm. I'm not super, like, you know, I didn't have to deal with that. But the people that I talked to said the announcement came through that they agreed, and I think it was three weeks or maybe four weeks after until something was put in front of them that they needed to sign. Oh, wow, okay. So, and I mean, that's just like, you know, it's touching up, you know, Mm -hmm. verbiage in the contracts. It's not, nothing big is changing. Yeah, I get that. Like, it's it's like when when you buy a house, same stuff kind of happens. Is that like post-period where you agree on it, but you're just kind of negotiating the, like, dumb details? Yeah. Yeah. So, I imagine I'll see something before end of year. Um, probably before Christmas, if I guess. Yes. 
Also, I missed where this is. Uh, and then the only other news we have is uh, Zelda is officially happening live action, brought to you by Sony and a production team that I think none of us should be trusting. What, what, what kind of is your take on this news of, uh, of Nintendo doing the live action Zelda? But it's being by Sony and it's, I would say, the like the producers are the ones that like ruined Ultimate Spider-Man and all that stuff. Well, I mean it's Shigeru Miyamoto, like is one. Oh yeah, but I meant on the Sony side. Yeah, I mean he's just he's the CEO of Marvel, so it's kind of tough to be like. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you not have him? At least involved yeah. on the Sony side. I am super curious and intrigued kind of how this is all going to work out. Yeah. So, we will see a uh, trailer talk. We have three. I think of variants. That being said, of... remember, this is the guy that produced the animated spider movies. That's right. You know, the. I'll be curious because the Amber's movies, my understanding is even at Sony, they were kind of treated as this like we're funding this but we don't care a thing until they blew up yeah that being said this guy's also got Ghost in the Shell Venom (laughs) uh, Uncharted Morbius he definitely has a few questionable he's got some stinkers but also like that stuff because he's at that level where it's because the property Mm -hmm. he's tied to is involved it's not necessarily that He's making the decisions because he wants to. Yeah. I'm more worried about the director. Because the fact that they put the Maze Runner as one of the things that, oh, you should be proud of. Proud of this. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, that's good. Maze Runner. Maybe if that's the next biggest thing, sure. But. Yeah. Nice. But yeah. Uh, trailer talk. We have three in a Ferosa, Ghostbusters, and Fallout. I think Fallout. Hold on. How do you say that these. first one? Ferosa. Uh, well, Furiosa. Oh, Furiosa. You spelled that wrong, dude. Holy cow! <laughs> I totally did not look up how to spell it when I was typing. Fallout's the only one on this list I think that like really stood out to me, and I think Amazon apparently needs all of the credit. Well. The problem with the Furiosa trailer is it's clearly a first pass trailer. Mm-hmm. Some of the effects looked horrendous. Oh, yeah. Um, which I will give the film industry credit for this. Like, games don't put out shitty looking trailers. Right? Like, the games will curate the best looking stuff and maybe even have stuff that wouldn't even work in the actual game and then that's the trailer movies are like hey this film's in post right now but here's a trailer at least you know the effects like the shading effect isn't done on every scene yet but still it's a hype scene so here you go so at least give them credit. And you always see progress. Mm-hmm. Right? It's very rare that from 
one trailer to another, it's a downgrade in movies. Happens, but it's rare. I agree, too. Yeah. No, I can believe it. Yeah, generally, if there's a downgrade, it's because of a studio switch. Um, uh, but jumping on that one second, yeah. Fallout, that Fallout trailer, again, rough CG at points. I think they might understand it. <laughs> like, it feels like you actually had people from Bethesda being like, we need someone on the set to make sure this is correct. And the same way, like, Last of Us, you actually had Neil Druckmann on set doing stuff. Well, so here's the thing. They're not going to be fully faithful to the game because the game experience is being over encumbered mm-hmm. and, you know, you've got rad poisoning and, you know, also, let's be real. It's Jonathan Nolan directing this. If you're going to have someone that you need to make sure a show stays faithful, it's him. Right, like that first season of Westworld, pretty damn close to what you know was originally Westworld. I do find it odd that they seem to be. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just rewatching the trailer and it's saying the studio that brings you free two day shipping. It was so um, good. Yeah. When it especially it was like brought to you by the people who did the boys and the studio. Yeah, and free two day shipping. I'm like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> Um, you know the fact that the, it's Fallout 4 Fallout is mm. but it's on the west coast is a vibe but you think about it this way Bethesda made that change right mm-hmm. Fallout 4 and 76 are the same visual language mm-hmm. 100% you know Fallout 3 was limited by the consoles, so it couldn't be too uh, colorful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think it looks good. Uh, I hope to all that's holy, the humor is a little bit better. Because that's part of my issue with fallout is the humor just sucks at times um like some of that stuff can just really be a drag but i do hope there is a over encumbrance or like hey you can't pick that up you've already like your bag's too full like just a little line like that or something so yeah also, no, this, this person's comment, looking forward to all of the glitches. Yeah, we definitely need someone T-posing flying through this guy. Yeah, I wonder how you handle that to kind of make it feel like you actually cared. Because if the Fallout TV show has zero problems, that is unfaithful. The studio themselves mocks themselves for having so many bugs Mm -hmm. you need to mock yourself in this show and the fact that todd howard is on it right is a very big i think indicator that they'll do something nice uh so jumping into the newest 
trying to think what we got here. So we've discussed it's probably just gonna be a pickup at some point. GTA six is officially like first trailer is dropping next week. I assume that's just Yeah. Yeah, it will be out by the time this episode's up. Yeah, so, so we'll, we'll, when we see it, we'll see it. Yeah. Uh shout out at the collapse of, of media. Uh where Eurogamer and its sister companies are all being put up for sale, which includes Game Shoot Up is, Rocket for Shotgun, VG27, and Dicebreaker. Yeah, this one was interesting because... Um, we don't have a buyer, I don't believe. It's just publicly being put for sale. Yeah. This is Red Ventures... Or not Red Ventures, Read Pop. Getting ready to... I guess downsize, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, they say the Gamer Network was bought five years ago by ReadPop, which at the time was just running New York Comic Con and PAX and has since taken on E3 and kind of killed E3. It is interesting. (laughs) Um... Especially when you factor in, like, you know, Eurogamer is Eurogamer in, you know, GIB are probably two of the most respected um, gaming sources anywhere, right? Like. If something comes out of Eurogamer, you're like, okay, this is legit. If it comes out of gamesindustry.biz, you're like, okay, this is legit. Rock, paper, shotgun, VG247. You can kind of take it or leave it. Right? Dicebreaker, I just don't interact with them much, if at all. So I can't really say anything about them. You do hope, though, that this doesn't affect that credibility, right? It's it's going to be tough if Eurogamer and Digital Foundry have to fold because they can't run it on their own. Now, there is the classic line in here of... Um, we're all in strong shape and there are plans afoot to celebrate our 25th anniversary next year in style. That's obviously every announcement like this has that line. Those lines are usually the kiss of death though. Especially since it, it is immediately following the line that says the gamer network is now up for sale. Right. Mm-hmm. We've seen Red Ventures, we've seen Read Pop, we've seen all of these new venture companies trying to figure this shit out. And here's the problem. And I was reminded of this because I watched a a clip from the uh, Jeff Gersman show. 
that's about nine months old, but still rings true today. And this sentiment has always been part of this industry. This industry doesn't care. It doesn't care about the writers, right? It doesn't care about the personalities. It will chew you up, spit you out, tear everything from you, and then just move on to the next one, and the next one, and the next one. Why? Because it gets suckers, right? There are so many people that they want their job to be playing video games and talking about them. And the unfortunate reality is that saturation of the industry happened 10 years ago. So if you didn't have your name already established then, and that's not only brands, that's personalities too, right? If you weren't established pre PlayStation 4, Xbox One era. You're not going to make it. You just can't. Like, fan bases are already stretched way too thin. You can't. There's not enough hours in the day to interact with all this stuff. So how does a company survive? Right? Like, famous example. How is Giant Bomb surviving? Like, it's a shell of what it was, right? It's There's zero reason to go to their site anymore. The site's so broken that it doesn't matter. You just watch all their shit on Twitch or YouTube, and they understand that, right? Like, they're the smallest part of a pretty decently sized machine at fandom. So their site is so low on the priority list that whatever. Somebody like Eurogamer, though, let's use Phantom as an example, right? Phantom buys Eurogamer and GIB. They're suddenly at the top of that list because they're an established name. And they're going to be top of the list for whoever buys them because, ooh, shiny new, you know, shiny new toy. I just... I'm fearing the day where we see Eurogamer get gutted because the venture capitalist company realizes, hey, we can't make money on this. I think that day is coming sooner or later. Yeah. Just being realistic. I mean, shit, at this point, I'm surprised IGN hasn't completely folded, but they're one of those, right? Like, they were established 10 years ago. That brand was established. So they'll always... There will always be an IGN, much the same way there will always be a GameSpot. It's just all of those personalities are gone and doing their own thing. And that's the problem, right? Like how many I was thinking about this after watching that clip from Gersman. I was like, how many Patreons would I need to subscribe to? to support that crew versus the one yearly premium membership. Yeah. Giant Bomb Premium with the store code was 50 bucks a year. I think it still is. 50 bucks a year is 
what is that, like $4 a month-ish? Five, but yeah. Well, that's 60 but yeah. It's like four and a half bucks a month, whatever it is. Yeah. Anyway. So, you'd be spending that on a Patreon. So, you'd be at the $5 tier for one. Mm-hmm. For one Patreon. There are... Well, there's Gersman's. There's Nexlander. There's... Uh, no clip if you wanted to keep doing that. So that's three. That's so that's fifteen bucks a month, or whatever that is, one hundred and eighty dollars a year. So it's three times as expensive as Drive On Premium. That just doesn't work, right? That math doesn't work in today's economy. Pre-COVID, hell, even during COVID, that math worked because people had money. Now that we're at a state where, you know, shrinkflation and stagflation and inflation have hit not just the U.S., but everywhere at such a rate that, you know, people are strong. People that we thought were middle class are now struggling to buy groceries. This shit just so expensive. So how am I supposed to support these people that I used to be able to do because it was 50 bucks a year? You can kind of, you can budget for that. 50 bucks is nothing over a year. Now I have to do that times three. Then it's a question. Right. It, yeah, it's it's going to be so fucked. I like her entirely. But uh, speaking of everything being fucked, let's just do it. I'm going to do this as one big everyone who's been laid off the past month, which is the following. Free the radical. British banking system. Full soon. <laughs> I don't Free know if you saw soon. that. I did see that. Yeah. Uh, Weta. Because Unity is removing that team. Uh, well, okay. 505 Games. Yeah. Uh, the the Warframe publisher? Yeah. The yes, Weta thing? Okay. I... I could do a whole two-hour show on why the Weta thing fucking sucks. Short of it is, Unity is keeping all of the tech. They basically just bought Weta for its technology and hit the year and a half month or year and a half mark or two year mark, whatever it is. And then just laid everyone off. And they're like, fuck it, like, go. You can do Weta works. And that's what they're all doing. Like, Weta works is going to try to hire as many of them as they can. But they don't have the tech that made Weta, Weta, right? Unity owns that. And that's the shittiest part of this. Is yes, people are losing their jobs. But they don't have what they created. So how are they going to go, you know. 
No, I'll you agree. I agree entirely. Uh, I'm telling the others we missed in that chaos. Uh, I said uh, Digital Extremes, Digital Extreme, and Amazon. Yeah, Warframe. Uh, also in that too, we're just going to throw it in there. Housemark is leading the dev. Embrace's CEO is making a new company. There's a lot going on. I mean, and, and hopefully here's the people thing, will right? end up like, back in the Yeah. Uh, the Housemark news. Kruger was there for 15 years. Like, I think a lot of people are shocked at some of these moves, but they don't realize how long someone's been at one job. Oh, yeah, no, no, I get right. that. It's like, cool, like, dude's been there 15 years. Go do his own thing. Like, that should not be... You know, people think of that as way too big of a deal. Right, when we see... Harry Kruger leaving Housemark after 15 years. It's like, try to tell me someone that stayed at one job for 15 years that didn't at least consider doing something else. I completely agree. So, and especially in a creative industry, like for a creative to be at one place for 15 years is impressive. So, yeah. I agree. And then final story we have is we just know about next year's Call of Duty from our usual leakers. Shocking no one. It's Black Ops. It's Golf War. I think that's pretty alright. And God, we'll find this, out more. This game is going to mm-hmm. have so much controversy around it. 100%. It's going to be great. Uh, and then finally, game's coming out soon. Avatar comes out the 7th. Last of Us Part 2 comes out January 19th. Suicide Squad comes out February 2nd. Helldivers the 8th. And Final Fantasy VII Rebirth the 29th. Yeah, so Any of those stand up? Yeah? Um, I mean, I'll be checking out Avatar because I've got um, mm-hmm. UB Premium, whatever. Um, the ones on the list that I'm interested about are Suicide Squad. I feel like that is... Morbid. I'm morbidly interested. That's either going to hit or it is going to kill companies. Mm-hmm. I agree. The Last of Us Part 2 remastered. The stuff that they're adding in terms of like the cut content that you'll be able to explore is really cool. I feel like that's... I think that's really cool. That's probably the best thing they're has, has that ever been done before where you can explore... Not at a scale. Yeah. It's probably done not at a scale. Yeah. Like, they'll go, oh, hey, here's a flyover of a cut level. But they'll never, like, be like, go explore it. Yeah. But, hey, you get to go play these levels. Uh, and then finally, from Movie Club, would you like to read our list I just pulled? I'd say the top of the month. Yeah, so we've got Godzilla Minus One, which looks fucking incredible. We've got Silent Night, which... By all accounts, is not a great movie. Mm-hmm. We've got Wonka, uh, Henry Kissinger's favorite movie. <laughs> we've got The Iron Claw, and we've got Rebel Moon. My vote is Iron Claw. Yeah, I feel so. For those that, um, I can't remember if we actually recorded this or if it was just you and I talk, talking offline. We talked. I don't remember. Yeah. Iron Claw, we were like that was our choice, but we were looking at timing wise. 
it might be an issue. In which case we were going to do, um, oops, let me spell right. The documentary, The Boy Who Lived, which was the, or it is, I should say, um, the documentary that uh, Daniel Radcliffe directed and produced about his stunt double that got paralyzed. Because, um, I mean, Iron Claw releases Christmas weekend. Let's assume we'll be late. That's just kind of... Yeah, so if we did that, it. we wouldn't have a movie club for December. We will do Iron Claw, whether that's a spoiler cast or yeah. movie club. Um, I, I think I say with the let's just do it. It's going to be a weird month anyway. Yeah. So Iron Claw. Perfect. Which will well, probably then, end up being January's January movie club, but. But again, it's such a weird. Yeah. yeah. So, but again, perfect. Well, then I think that's all we have here. Yeah. I don't have any more notes. Let's go. Let's go free the world. Whatever we do. I'm going to go take a shower. That was great, and we'll see you next time. The SW Show and all of its affiliate podcasts are podcast by me, Mike Maroney, and AJ Losey, by, sometimes by our contributors, including Corey King. You can follow The SW Show on social media at The SW Show, or sooner or later, you go to patreon.com slash to help us out. Thank you. We hope you enjoy the rest of your day.